Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you'd like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the 49-week challenge reading plan. Yes, and if you have any, any questions along the way, if you have any questions along the way, sorry, I mumbled there, uh, feel free to send them in to us at infogrove.church, or you can direct message our Grove Church Facebook page. We are the Grove Church in Washington State, in Marysville, and in Snohomish. We've got two campuses. Uh, feel free to give us a thumbs up if you want to stay connected all the things that are happening here at the Grove Church, but at the very least, you can send us a direct message because we like to take time to answer those questions. Yep. Uh, this week's going to be a little bit of a shorter podcast, uh, mostly on account of the fact that we have a shorter week and then actually a few things going on. Um, and so we we do have some questions that we're holding. We're so we'll push them to next week. Yeah, we'll push them to next Sorry. week. Um, Thanks for the questions. Keep them coming. Yeah, but feel free to send in more. Um, and then this week when we were looking through, we're talking about First Corinthians. Yeah. Um, instead of doing really kind of a deep, let's go chapter by chapter or go, go overview basically the entire book, we're just going to look at um, what I, we thought were a few topics that First Corinthians hits on, read yeah. those passages, and then kind of talk about them in the modern context. Well, and here's bit. the thing to realize, though, too, is like, I don't think we have enough time to really hit everything in First Corinthians. True. So it was really hard to actually identify the, how do we, I mean, how do we break down this book that's incredible, first off, because Paul's correcting and bringing corrections to the church at Corinth. Um, and so I, we just wanted to take a, more of a, a deep dive into four areas versus um, the actual entirety of the book, because we could be here for hours. There you go. And I guess one final plug, just because I thought of it, but this is coming out on Sunday, July 5th, is when you'll be hearing this. Um, on Tuesday, July 7th, we're, la- we're launching a Summer Zoom Discipleship. Yeah. So if you're listening to this episode, when it actually comes out, there's still time to, to sign up for that. It'll be really cool. We're diving into the book of Colossians. Be Tuesday night. Yep. I think 6.30 to 7.30 is the plan right now. Yep. It'll be me, Aaron, Pastor Nick, and then uh, Rich Smith, which if you haven't met him, very soothing voice yep. and also very smart oh, yeah, guy. He's awesome. So. <laughs> and he's a brilliant teacher. He's a he's a pastor who over many decades who now works at a, a local business called Boeing. Maybe you've heard of him. Um, you know, largest airline producer in the world. Maybe yeah, you've heard of it. Does, does a phenomenal job uh, just loving people and, and talking about biblical topics and faith. And so it's going to be a fun, uh, fun kind of experiment, I guess, if you can call it to do a zoom discipleship for the summer, but yeah. uh, six weeks through the book of Colossians, you can't go wrong there. So. Hashtag Airbus sucks. Um, today we are using the ESV study Bible logos, Bible software, uh, and the essence of the new Testament, a survey by Elmer L towns and Ben Gutierrez. Yes, for... This is Evan's favorite survey book of the new Testament. And by favorite, he means, Only. I think I actually have another one somewhere. Um, but these are the ones that like, you know, when you take, when you take New Testament survey in, in Bible college, it's just like, you go, you grow attached to the books. Um, it's true. and it's actually, I like the way it's laid out too. So I'm not just using it cause it's the only one I have. Evan sleeps with it under his pillow. I, how did you know? Uh, so first, you when you sleep, that's why. No, first Corinthians, uh, was probably, it was, well, it was for sure written by Paul, um, in the mid fifties, probably around 80, 56, give or take. So it's one of the, the middle uh, letters of Paul. It's also one of the longer ones. Um, if when you look yep. through the letters of Paul, there's a few kind of short ones where uh, I'm thinking off the top of my head, you know, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, those ones that are kind of shorter. And then Philemon. you have, yeah. Oh yeah. Philemon is really small. First Timothy, second Timothy. Uh, and then you have ones like Romans and first Corinthians that are, uh, I think first Corinthians, I think they're both 16. I could be totally wrong on that, but now I'm going to make remember. myself look like a fool. First Corinthians might be 14. I don't know. Anyway, I shouldn't I shouldn't have put a number to it because now, now I'm just going to look like an idiot. Uh, but this is a church that Paul had planted some time before, um, and now he's going to write to correct some doctrinal you issues. You are correct, sir. 
16 or 14? 16 to 16. Yes. Uh, so anyway, uh, and we talked about this a little bit on, I think, I think it was a question that came in last week about how, you know, just because Paul doesn't spend a ton of time in different churches, that doesn't mean he doesn't have a relationship with yeah. them. And obviously he's traveling around with kind of his, um, his entourage. And those guys are pastors that kind of come and go a little bit mm-hmm. and they'll, they'll send him word. And so we know that um, we know that the Corinthians have relationship with Paul because there's more letters between the two of them than just first and second Corinthians. Yeah. Um, for sure. There's one in between first and second Corinthians. I can't remember if there's one or two or if one of them is supposed to be before first Corinthians, but anyway, not that that's either. not that super important, but Paul has a, a, a long lasting relationship with the church at Corinth, um, which might kind of explain his tone um, because it's not, it's, he's not ripping into them as much as it is kind of like he's lovingly rebuking. Them. Yeah, so it's definitely like that's such a Christian phrase. Yeah, <laughs> you're not you're not wrong, um, but I mean it is kind of like you know like when you're in trouble if you, if you have a good father you know it's stern discipline but also communicating love. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what Paul has uh, in First Corinthians chapter one verses four through nine. It says, uh, Paul says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Jesus Christ, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you are not lacking any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Uh, also, if you're noticing there, Jesus Christ the Lord, Paul, Paul is uh, he's trying to he's trying to get a point uh, yeah. across there. Um, but you like, see things repeated, pay attention. Yeah, and and like we said at the beginning, uh, we're not going to do kind of an overview of the entire book, but we're just going to pick out um, a couple topics that I think are were interesting to talk about then, but I think are also applicable today, yeah, and that's kind sure. of why we're going over them. So, Aaron, if you want to take it away on Paul addressing divisions in the church. Yeah, um, this is a big one, uh, just in general, just to take a little side note for a second. I think divisions among the church is a huge deal, uh, and it's not new. It's been around for centuries. So I would say ever since the church first formed, there were divisions. So even upon Paul and his own missionary journeys. So it says this, 1 Corinthians 3, chapters, or chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. Uh, in the ESV, which is Evan's favorite standard version. It's a great standard Uh, version. But it says this, uh, but I brothers could not address you as spiritual people, but as a people of the flesh, as infants in Christ, which is um, a very bold statement. He says, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And now even you are not ready yet, or yet not yet ready, for you are still still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You You are God's field, God's building. And I think there's um, what makes this one interesting too is there's so many different layers on how you could apply it because I think oh, for sure you could go like in our church the Grove Church right like I've definitely heard people saying like man I just love the way Pastor Nick speaks or I just love it when you know what I mean like and not that that's always bad but like saying different like you know well Pastor Ryan I like his speaking yeah. like whatever it is like it kind of just goes back and forth 
Um, but then you can kind of take it the next notch up where maybe there's just like speakers that you really enjoy listening to mm-hmm. and even like in an, in an unhealthy way, I suppose is what I mean. Um, and I think that the macro level would be um, like even denominations yeah. where um, there's a place for, there's a place for open-handed disagreement about issues. Um, and we've, we've said on the podcast before, so we're, we're an AG church, uh, assemblies of God, I guess not everyone knows the acronym. Yeah. Um, we're an ag- they're agricultural. <laughs> Agric- yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, there's, there's denominations that were incredibly theologically close to like, um, you know, Foursquare, Free Methodist, that kind of, that sort of thing. Um, uh, Calvary, right. Calvary. Probably. Church, Church of God, I think as well, but yeah. Um, there's ones that we're a little bit further away from, uh, like, you know, Presbyterians. Free Methodists. Per, yeah. For, well, no, Free Methodists, I thought we were pretty close to. Anyway, that's not super important. Oh, no, you're right. Sorry. Uh, I mean, United Methodists, we're probably pretty that's far away from. But um, so anyway, th- those are kind of the the different areas. But what we've talked about a lot in this podcast, I think it's important to keep in mind is... And that's indoctrinal belief, by the way. It's not because we don't believe or don't agree with the church. It's just who we are and what we believe is it varies differently from church to church. So. Right. You have to differentiate between open-handed and closed-handed issues. Yeah. Um, and, and really what Paul's advocating here for a little bit, and, and I, maybe I'm reading a little bit into this, but um, don't let divisions about open-handed issues become the main thing. Um, don't let them be something that consumes your life. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. Like we, I, we talked about it a few... I think there's a question that came in a few weeks ago. Um, but for instance, you know, as, as the AG, we believe in uh, full immersion baptism as an adult. That's, mm-hmm. that's the way we do it. Um, Presbyterians believe in, I believe they do sprinkled baptisms, but for sure it's infant baptisms yeah. at least. Um, so I can, I, I can see how people get there. I've heard the arguments. I don't think they're like, I don't think they're idiots or anything. I, I disagree with them, but I, I, I can see how you get there. And it's an, it's an open-handed issue. Um, on the other hand, there's... Um, you know, quote unquote, Christian denominations that deny things that are core. Yeah. Uh, for instance, you know, like Jehovah's Witness deny the uh, the full deity of Christ, um, which would be which like I would argue is not biblical. Which yeah, we that, would argue is that's, not biblical. That's a close handed issue. Like we can't we can't be Christians and disagree and disagree that Jesus is God. That's yeah. just kind of that's one of those things. Um, and so yeah, it's it's drawing lines where they need to be drawn. But then once you're inside of that circle of of Christian orthodoxy, I would say it's it's don't let divisions take away from the main goal. Yeah. Don't let your disagreements with each other all of a sudden become something that prevents you from actually fulfilling the call of Christ on on the church. Yeah. Which is to, you know, go into all the world, make disciples. Yeah. So I think that's a little bit of what Paul's saying there. He's saying, you know, Apollos versus Paul is just kind of, you know, there's people who are listening to one teaching over the other. We don't really know like what their doctrinal differences were, but I'm assuming they're pretty minor. Yeah. Um and so, and Paul's just basically writing to to encourage them to have unity. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting too because um, Corinth was a was a, a very new to Christ church. It was young, and so Paul even says in verse two, "I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it." In other words, they they were still developing their understanding of Christianity in the sense of that Christ is the Messiah that He came died on the cross, rose again on the third day. That they are no longer. They no longer live for themselves, but they are now to live in alignment with Jesus and live as if Jesus was living through them. Uh, but the other side of it too is that there it's it's I, I always see it also how it's easy to put someone on a pedestal and or I'm you know I'm here to serve so and so like I've, I I remember as a, as a as a young you know Christian whatever I I went to the church I went to because my family went to it but I love my lead pastor I love my my youth pastor so I was there for them mm-hmm. and when when transition happened or change happened then I, like my world was in an upheaval because we put so much emphasis on where we're at because of who we are want to be around 
versus and and this is the this is the tension I wrestle with on an, a regular basis. Just even in conversation with people is why are they at the church they're at? Because they resonate and connect with the pastor, or because God has called them to that place. Sure. What Paul is reminding everybody is that it's God who's the one who provides growth. It's God who's the main ingredient here. And he says, I mean, Paul says this, what then is Apollos, what then is Paul in verse five? Servants through whom whom you believe, as the Lord assigned to each. God gave the growth. So neither he who plants in verse seven, neither he who plants or he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. And so sometimes it's it's really easy to get caught up in a preference, a style, uh, or an experience and lose sight of God in the midst of all of it. And it's a, it, they can be great Bible believing churches. They can be great, you know, making great impacts for, for the communities they're a part of. But if you are not where God called you to be, you're living as the people in Corinth where Paul lovingly rebukes them saying, that's not why you should be doing what you're doing. You shouldn't, you're not here because of Paul. You're not here because of Apollos. God used them to influence you, but Christ is the reason you're a part and doing what you're doing. Um, and so like when it comes to disunity, it's interesting to me, and I'd be curious to see different disputes or dis- disunify or di- disunity within a church con- context and identify what's what's causing it because oftentimes it's it's my own expectations my own comfort or or, or experience or wins and desires and rarely would it be because of, be because of Christ you see that like the big rifts yeah. like we've already talked about between denominations those are big deals those are close handed things like those create big but i'm saying like i think even what paul's addressing is the is the small things that create disunity among god's people I mean, um, and riffs in church can be like super weird over like the song choice it can be over like you put up a black chairs. curtain behind the stage you there's no cross in your in your in your you call it an auditorium like so there's definitely someone who left the church because we didn't have an american flag in the auditorium at one point that i don't was, i don't know who that is I uh, so I, we don't need to talk about <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy how like happened. there's so much disunity over certain things and um i, I saw a facebook post today talking about our political world, but it was just interesting how it was one person that I know is a strong Christian, strong in faith, posted something. And another person who, and and they used almost scripture to back up their stance and why they should or should not vote for someone. I'm not going to go either way with it. Um, and then someone came back and rebuttaled the other side, why they should or should not vote for, for the same person or another person. And it was, I'm just like, you're both Christians here. <laughs> right. Why is there division among you when Christ is sovereign? Christ is the reason we exist and live in this world. It's not for a political party or anyways. So I think some of the stuff Paul's addressing is what's dividing you? What is the cause of division? And more times than not, it's me <laughs> and, and it's not Christ. I do love how we said that this was going to be a shorter episode, but we definitely talked a lot about that first one. But real quick, last point. When we get to talk about the Bible, bro. Like it's you, true. You can say it short. I don't know why you ever say it short. You, you. Yeah, I shouldn't have sold us short. Um, but one class, one, one last thing about that one before we move on is because it, it popped in my head when you were talking. Um, I do think there's also a danger of um, putting human leaders on a pedestal as well. Oh, and I absolutely. think that's part of what because I think you can you can expect. Um, perfection from leaders. And then all of a sudden when you don't see that and, and right. you can hear like, and there's obviously like there's serious um, cases of like sin and abuse and things like that, that, that I, I would put into a different, sure. in a different category. But there's, there's moments where I think I, like you've had to talk with people who just see like moments of pastors, like being human, like, just like, like, Oh, I saw I saw the pastor just, he was driving and he, he got frustrated and started yelling. Off. Yeah. Or like what, whatever it is, like, it's just kind of, and it reminds me of, you know, Paul saying 
you know, some say Apollo, some say Cephas, which is Peter, and some say Paul. Well, you know, if you were a Gentile who was um, really loving uh, Peter and listening to him talk, like, well, how would it affect you when you found out that he wasn't eating with Gentiles and he had to get called out by Paul for right. sin? You know what I mean? And so it's one of those things where um, it is healthy to remember that human leaders are human leaders. Yeah, like the, you, you expect expect perfection from God. That's it. Everyone else is is the, like Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And the thing is like, and I would say, um, like the tension I feel, James talks about, I mean, even to that point for a second, like James talks about, don't be, don't all presume to be teachers because you'll be judged more harshly. Right. Obviously my paraphrase, I understand as a pastor that I'm going to be judged more harshly based upon how I, how I respond and, and, and represent Jesus in every area of my life. And I also understand that I'm not going to be perfect. And I'm, I'm just as heartbroken and devastated when I blow up or I have an issue or I, I don't represent Christ well in public or in my family or in my marriage or my relationships with people that it's devastating. And I'm thankful for, for leaders that I've seen in those moments, walk in humility, repent, make things right, only to continue to be judged and criticized because they didn't do that or because they blew up and they were imperfect. Right. Um, and that, and that is the tension, that pedestal mentality. Again, it's, it's what, what disunifies us. It, it, I mean, give a quick bullet point list, the pastor's behavior. Sometimes the song list that we choose, um, the pews versus chairs conversation, whether or not there's an American flag or a cross in the auditorium or a sanctuary, whatever you want to call it. And at the end of the day, like what's the purpose. And that's what I thought that Paul was doing is it's God. Yeah. God is the one who creates growth. We need to be here for him and honor him and serve him and trust him and over everything. So, yeah. And, anyway. and to be clear, one last point is like, I, I wasn't trying to say that, uh, um, like Pat, it, it is a good thing for pastors to repent of sin and be held oh, accountable. Yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah. So and I, my, I didn't hear that you weren't okay. saying that. Yeah. My point was mostly about like, like the, the pedestal mentality, yeah, which okay. is a big one. Moving on. Lawsuits. Moving on to lawsuits. Uh, in first Corinthians chapter six, verses one through eight, Paul says this, uh, when one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to the law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you know that the saints will judge the world? As uh, And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge others or judge angels? How much more than matters pertaining to this life? So if you have such cases, why do you lay them down before those who have no standing in the church? I say this is to your shame. Can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between the brothers? But if a brother goes to law against brother and that before unbelievers... To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat to you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? But you yourself selves wrong and defraud even your own brothers. Okay. Ouch. So this is an interesting one because I think um, it's it's also really unique mm-hmm. among New Testament topics. I don't think there's anywhere else. I don't. I don't recall anywhere that else hits on this. Here. Yeah. So. So, which means it was unique to the, the church of Corinth is what it was more unique to. Now, I'm sure it existed elsewhere, but it was prevalent to the point of- Well, there's a bunch There's issues. a bunch of stuff that is unique to the church of Corinth, but we won't get into all of that. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, 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 to me, it echoes back to this idea of, of unity is have a conscience towards how does this reflect on Christ and how does this reflect on the church? Yeah. And and I think that's an important thing to keep in mind as as well. And 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 really, his main argument with lawsuits is why can't you just settle this in house? Yeah, right. Why can't you just why can't you bring in a third party within the church, talk this out, 
um, and, and reach a settlement, why do you have to involve the law? Why do you have to show disunity um, outside? Which is kind of an interesting point. And that it's even weird that, not weird, it's interesting that at the bottom he says, um, why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? Hmm. And how many of us would say that we were willing to just, um, that we're willing to just suffer wrong for the sake of, for the sake of the church, yeah, for the right. sake of Christ, for all those different things. It, it is interesting. So, um, that's hard. Yeah. And it, again, there's, there's lines because I do think, uh, like we talked about last time, like there is, um, there are lines of things that need to go mm-hmm. to the courts that need to be settled there. For sure. Um, it's not just things that should all be handled within house, but I do think there's just, there's minor, um, disputes, there's minor arguments that people have that those should be able just to be worked out. Well, and the church. interesting thing there too is is when Paul says that you're going to unrighteous people, what's happening is you're you're being influenced by things that are not godly or things that are not truth driven, that they're very self seeking, that they're very selfish, and they're only fanning the flame of your selfish mentality. And I think we can all, if we're if if we'll take a moment and be honest, I think we can all say we're pretty selfish in our motives and in our interactions yeah. with our desires, and and so when there's an issue. We don't want to go before righteous people because we know what the answer is going to be. And when we seek counsel of those who are not godly, who are not God-fearing, we're going to take um, human perspective, which is me, which is get your own, do right by you, uh, eat, drink, and be merry kind of thing with, without any yielding to sacrifice or humility. And Paul's not saying if you get if you get defrauded by the church, just suck it up and deal with it. There's certain things that you need to address. And when a corrupt leadership takes advantage, there should be some repercussions to that. Right. Now, he's going to be, even as I've already said, he's going to be judged more harshly. But one well, of the things I think Paul is talking about is who, who you're getting your, your perspective of judgment from. And is it a righteous perspective, which is God honoring, God fearing? Um, are you living in a righteous manner? Or are you trusting those who are unrighteous, dep- like evil and broken? Because that's... <laughs> who we are apart from Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that influences how we, I mean, misery loves company. So I just, I can see it play out in my own life where when I'm really grumpy and annoyed, I'm not going to talk to my my friend who's been through something similar and has loved Jesus through it. I'm going to find someone who's going to, you know, s- sympathize with me and encourage my grumpiness. Uh, say, yeah, you deserve to be this or you deserve to be vindicated. And reality is it's not worth our time sometimes. So Right. And to, and to, to be clear, I think Paul here is referring to um, it's an appeal to the authority of, of the elders mm-hmm. of the church. So he's not talking yeah, about yeah, basically yeah. if a pastor defrauds yeah, good point. someone in the church, don't take it outside the church. I up. think that would actually be a case to take it outside to a different authority. But yeah, yeah. he's talking about two people within the church. There should be ways to work out most things that yeah. happen. So anywho, that was a quick one. I just collapsed my notes and they're back up. Okay. Spiritual so, gifts. Spiritual gifts. Aaron, take it away. First Corinthians 12, 4 through 11 says this. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is all the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For one is given through the spirit, all the utterance of wisdom and to another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by one spirit, to another, the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, which is also called discernment. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So there you go. Um, Mm. 
I think that this is something, I think it's something that's really important to keep in mind as Christians because, and it, I forgot, is it, I forgot what book it is because I'm, I'm dumb, but when Paul uses the, the analogy of the body for, uh, for the, Corinthians. is it first Corinthians? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So I actually just, think it's before this. Or after this passage. There you go. Well, then it's even more applicable. Um, but no, the the idea there would be that all of us are part of the body. And I think sometimes you can look at different gifts and wish that you had them instead of actually using the gifts that the Holy Spirit has empowered you with in order to further the, the kingdom of God. It starts in verse 12, by the way. Verse 12. Also, oh, right after this. Yep. Nice. So there you, I should have just left it in. Um, I won't tell anybody. But yeah, I mean, like, but I think there's just, there's just, so the promise here, which I think is a really important one to keep in mind, is that um, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Yeah. Or or in other words, there's not like, and I think sometimes we can fall into this trap of thinking is like, there's the spiritually empowered Christians who do like cool things. And then there's like the everyone else, which, well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit empowers every every believer for ministry. Um, and when we say ministry, I don't just mean like vocational ministry, like it's your job to be a minister, but we just mean like, it's the job of every Christian to go into the world and make disciples. That's yeah. not a, that's not a job for, for paid pastors or elders. That's a job for, um, do you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord? Then that's your job as well. Yeah. Uh, but then he lists off a bunch of different things. To some is given the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, uh, to another faith, uh, to another gifts of healing, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish. Between, and, and there's many more spiritual gifts too that are listed in, in, uh, in other places. But um, and it's, it is funny how much of 1 Corinthians comes back to the theme of unity, because really what Paul is calling for is that a, there's unity in the spiritual gifts because they all come from the same spirit, but we should also be unified in our desire to use our gifts that God has given us to further the kingdom of God and not be um, not be jealous or envious of of other people's gifts if that's maybe not what uh, what God is intending to give yeah. to us. So, yeah, it's just I think it's an important thing. I think it's an important thing to keep in mind. Yeah, um, and well, then uh, it brings up the question: What's the common good? Right? I mean, it, it's right because it, it's. What Paul's addressing is it's not, it's for the, the betterment of people. It's not, it's not my common good. It's the common good of all people. Um, and that's, and it's hard. I mean, you can, you can see some, even in these four, even in the four that we're going to highlight, you'll see some overlapping trends because the reality is how are they, how are they serving Christ? How are they honoring God within the context of their livelihood and things like that? Um, within the context of their church and the community and the world. Um, but the common good, I mean, I don't, God has not given me gifts for my benefit. God has given me gifts for your benefit, for God's, for the, the Grove Church's benefit, for the, the mm-hmm. larger kingdom of God, uh, uh, that, that its benefit. Um, but it's, dude, it's, sometimes you get so focused. Again, it's just a selfish mentality. So Yeah. Um, and I think this isn't, um, this isn't like a spiritual gift thing I'm about to say, but it's more of like even looking at like um, the church and like volunteers. One, one of my favorite stories that I've ever heard of a volunteer is, um, is a woman who came to the church. Um, this is a few years ago now, and she, she was a single mother. Um, and she, it was, it was weird because she just felt like she wanted to come. And then right when she was getting here, she was like, I just, I just don't know if I want to come. But, um, but she's told the story before about how, 
um, the parking attendant who greeted her just had a huge smile on his face. He said, Hey, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. He showed her where to park. He walked her inside. He showed her um, where she could drop her daughter off for, for Sunday. So like all these, all these different things were happening. Um, and, and because of that moment, she actually decided like, no, this is where I need to be. And she stayed at the church. Eventually, eventually she met her, her now husband here. Like it's, it's just a beautiful story. Um, but that had nothing to do with, you know, the lead pastor, Pastor Nick, it yeah. had nothing to do with anyone else who was on staff. It was someone who maybe didn't even think much of what they were doing. They're just parking cars. But because um, he had the attitude of, I mean, I can just shout him out. It's Murray. He's awesome. But because he had the attitude um, to to be where he was and to and to use what God had called him to do in that moment, all of a sudden this, this woman's life was completely yeah, changed. Absolutely. Which, and so it is one of those things where... Um, you know, be where God has you, use the gifts that God has given you and and keep pushing forward the kingdom, I yeah. think is an important thing to Love keep it. in mind. All right. Final thing we're talking about today. This is probably the most famous part of uh, of First Corinthians. If you've ever been to a wedding, you've heard this uh, section you've before. You've most likely heard this. Most I've never likely. used this in a wedding I've officiated just so Really? You know. I like, never. I get that it's cheesy, it's not but it's so good. Like, you know what I mean? I use marriage as talk about marriage. That's not fair. Love. Not love. It's so uh, bad. Uh-oh. It is true. Anyways. <laughs> uh, so in 1 Corinthians 13, we're just going to read the whole chapter because it's, it's short. It's only 13 verses. Uh, it says this, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I gave away all that I have and deliver my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up selfish ways. For now, or childish ways, for now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So really quick side note, um, I have a chat, like a texting thread that with a bunch of friends and someone um, said that they like their steak well done, which was just to me like the craziest statement I've heard in years. Um, and it launched this big argument and I stopped the argument because you know how in the the YouVersion Bible app, you can make a, a picture with a Bible verse over it. So I just put in the, the verse. Um, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Um, and so don't cook your steaks well done, people. You use scripture to manipulate your position. Not Got manipulate. It. No, that's, Sounds that, like the rest that of is life. what, that is what Paul was talking oh, about. Oh, that's what he was meaning. In that like the love of steak. Got it. Okay. So, uh, no, so but for all you vegans, I'm just kidding. But anyway, for in all, in all seriousness, um, to, to kind of go through this section by section, I think the first part's incredibly powerful. Uh, when he says, if I speak in tongues, but don't have love, or if I have prophetic powers, but I don't have love, if I give away all that I have to the, for, the, to the poor, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. And this is yeah. a, this is a really common theme 
that we see throughout the New Testament. In fact, even in Revelation, during the letters to the church or the churches, uh, I believe it's the church in Ephesus that is saying, you've, you've done really well in all of these things, but you've forgotten love. Yeah. And so um, I think, I forgot exactly how Pastor Nick says it, but something about um, people don't care what you know until they know that you care, I think is what he said. Until they know how much you care. Until how much you care. There you go. Um, it's a quote that he had from someone else. I can't remember who, but there you go. It's one he references. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. Um, but yeah, the the idea behind it is really the as, as Christians, we can be so focused on all of these other things that we forget that we're we're called to love people, mm-hmm. um, and and that it, uh, it's it's scripture even says you know, it's by your love for one another that you will be yeah. um, that you'll be set apart. And again, it gets back to that whole unity theme of First Corinthians that as as Christians, like our first layer is as Christians, we should be showing love to each other. We should be showing yeah. charity to each other. And then the, the second- That's what Jesus said. Right. They're going to know who you are, that you're my people. And, and that's interesting, even in that statement, Jesus is talking identity. Mm-hmm. You want to know who you are. You're my, you're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. And people are going to know who you are when you walk out in the fullness of that, which is loving one another, which then bleeds into loving the people around you. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, um, it's such a major theme of this book that as Christians, we should be united with each other. And then that love that we have for each other should overflow, um, to the world. Mm -hmm. And so that's an important thing. Um, and then as far as the rest of it, which is, you know, that's the rest of it's the more famous part that's read at weddings where it starts off with love is patient, love is kind, all those things. Um, Aaron brought up a great point before. Uh, we started recording that we actually did just finish up a series, uh, a message series called uh, Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Jungle. Jungle. I almost said once upon a time. That's what we're in right now. Yeah. Uh, it literally took verses four through eight, the first part of eight, Love Never Ends. Like that entire thing we broke down week to week. And it was like an eight week series, six weeks. Yeah, it was, like I think it was eight weeks. Longer yeah. than we've ever done a series before. But it literally is like love is patient and kind. Here's that means. Love is does not envy or boast. Here's that means. It's not arrogant or rude. Here's that means. Like literally breaks mm-hmm. it down. And, and the thing that I loved about that series, and this is one of the things I was saying, is it took, because I've, I've always heard this statement in, in conjunction with weddings. I've always heard it in, you know, in conjunction with, you know, how we should view our spouses and, you know, view and understand God's love for us. This is the perfect expression of love. Um, but it was this, for, for the series, it really focused on relationships and how we interact with people. Um and and this is and that's the tension and even and even here in the statement like we're called to love can be such a white noise statement now as christians because we know that we know mm-hmm. we should love we know we should love we know we should love um that i think it's important just to to stop and and, and just consider the fact that what jesus is saying is unconditionally love people he's saying just as much as god loves us unconditionally is the same response that love in its perfect form is also mirroring what Jesus has modeled. And the truth is you and I will never be able to do that on our own. Um, I love the story of John. And I think we've talked about this when we talked about the book of John, about G- Paul's re- or Peter's reinstatement from Christ. And the, the times that he was saying, do you love me? He was saying, do you agape? And Peter was responding with, I love you as a friend with deep affection was the, uh, it wasn't Eros. What was it? it was um, Definitely not Eros. Shoot. Um, what are the other words of love? I can't remember, but he was saying from a, a deep friendship affection. That's how he, Peter was saying, I love you like this. Uh, but throughout m- most of Peter's life, Peter assumed that he was able to love as Jesus loved. And then the deep bitterness and recognition 
in the crucifixion and Peter's denial of Christ brought to revelation the fact that Peter can only love with deep affection. He can't love in unconditional ways like Christ. And so when Jesus was asking him, this was part of the John commentary I was reading weeks ago. Um, when Jesus was asking him, do you agape me? Peter was saying, God, you, Jesus, you know that I love you with a deep affection, with a friendship. Hmm. Jesus asked him again, do you love me unconditionally? Peter said, you, Jesus, you know that I love you with a, a deep affection, with like a friend. And the third time, and I thought this was so beautiful and this was so challenging to me, is Jesus's, do you love me with a deep affection as a friend, as a deep friend? And Peter was frustrated and he finally said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you as a friend with deep affection. And, and it shows this incredible grace and incredible pursuit of Christ and what God has done on the cross and accomplished. He, he doesn't expect us to live in unconditional manners. He comes to us and, and our fullest ability to love is with a deep affection. We cannot love unconditionally because we're sinful and broken. Uh, we're apart from Christ. We are we're devastated and mm -hmm. caught in sin. But as I, as I read this passage and as I read it again and think about it, and I think back to John or Jesus and Peter, and I think back to the series and welcome to the jungle. It's this great challenge for me to just remember there's no way I can love with patience and kindness. And, and not and not envy or boast, not being arrogant or rude, that I'm going to insist on my own ways. I'm going to be irritable and resentful because I can't love as Christ modeled apart from the Holy Spirit's power at work in me. And and that's what I love about. I, I love the placement of this in, in the book of First Corinthians because it comes after the, the empowerment of the spiritual gifts and the Holy Spirit for the common good. And it's that reminder, I think, in this passage that we will never be able to agape God. We will never be able to agape at one another because the best that we could do is friendship, deep affection. And what Jesus does is he meets us in where we are able to love and then empowers us to live and love accordingly as he would. Um, and so it's by the grace of God, we there go I, I think is the words of Paul used to say. I'm pretty sure it's Paul. <laughs> um, but it, it is, I mean, that, that, that passage, this passage can be used as like this deep emotional affectionate like phrasing, but the reality is the tension that is existing is you and I can never uphold that. That's why we need Christ. That's why we need the, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to be who God has called us to be and to walk in the fullness of love to one another. Um, so there's my little message for the day. Oh, I like it. I learned something new. I forgot about the uh, the different Greek words that were used in that moment. I can't so. remember what the other one is though. No. Well, it's okay. You still... You still learned. You still learned me, and hopefully many of the hey, listeners. Finally, I did something, something new today. I taught you something new, Evan. Um, yes, I but on on that note, I think that's a great spot to to wrap it up for today. Uh, just a reminder that we are a podcast of the Grove Church, but we're not the only podcast of the Grove Church. You can check out all of our other resources and podcasts on our website at grove.church. Have a great day.